as we come together today in this family day of worship, where we come and we also try to recover from Thanksgiving. I don't know if y'all are in recovery mode. Uh, we're still in leftover mode at our house. Uh, all the dessert is gone, though. I made sure of that. I took care of that myself. Uh, but I love Thanksgiving because you get to gorge yourself. It's legal, and the calories don't count, uh, and so that's a good thing. Uh, but it's also a time when you, uh, a lot of people like to go out and shop. I am not that guy, all right? I am the guy who wants to do it from the computer. And so I will do my Black Friday shopping there. But whether you did Thanksgiving with family and your family in from out of town today, welcome to Grace Point Church, or you did Friendsgiving. Maybe you didn't have family in town. There's a number of people that I've met uh, that uh, that did Friendsgiving. This is what uh, Washington Post defined what Friendsgiving is, it's the holiday you choose with the people you choose. So that's a pretty cool way to define what Friendsgiving is. And it's kind of like uh, you're stuck with the family you're stuck with, but you get to choose your friends. And so uh, whether you did a Friendsgiving or a Thanksgiving, hopefully it was filled with love. Hopefully it was uh, an expression of love. Hopefully it was an experience of love for you and with those around you. We're talking about love, and I've used love about three or four times already in my message. And so children, you will want to make note of that. We'll come around to that in just a moment because today is a special day. In fact, if you came in, uh, kids, you probably got one of these. This is one of the things that we're doing today where we're talking about love. We've been talking about love for several weeks. Now, I've just used love in three more times right there. You keep a tally on the number of times I use that magical word, all right? And at the end of our gathering today, you go out. There's a counter, an official counter in the room right now who's counting every time I use that word, all right? And so they're going to have that count out in the uh, by the storybook Bibles that you can pick up on your way out if you don't already have one of those. Uh, it's a great tool and resource to use with your family. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, as we talk about this today, uh, you'll want to pay attention and tally up those number of times that I say love. All right, there's another time. So keep count of those. So uh, along those lines, we're talking today about not only, uh, I'm going to call it Q2 love. All right, uh, that may be quirky uh, to, to, to say that, but it's not, uh, it's not that, it's not intended to be. It's speaking of quality and quantity of it. What does love look like, feel like, act like, act like, behave like when you talk about this magical, mystical feeling that we might have when you see that beautiful person or that handsome guy across a crowded room and you fall in love with them or mom and dad talk about loving each other or mom and dad tell you to love your brothers and sisters and all that kind of stuff. And so when you talk about this, what is a good model of it. Because I can tell you right now, I don't think there's a lot of great examples out there in our day and age for what this is. And uh, let me just say this. This is not just, again, Andrew referred to it as family worship day. This is something that we value year round. And we've got uh, an entire month loaded with opportunities for you to be a part of having incredible family time in the Word 
either with your children or if you don't have any children, if you're not married, you can do it with your communitas group. But we have this Advent guide that's available today, and we encourage each family to pick up one of these. All right, one per family, uh, unless you're separated, and like we have a team leaving for uh, South Asia this week, and they can grab two of them because they're going to be traveling around the world. So, But take this with you. Use this as a guide. We're actually going to even have it on our app, and so you can have it always accessible to you, but this is something that as we go, starting this next Sunday, uh, as we start our Advent observance leading up to Christmas, this is something you can do as a family. There's even the storybook Bible that can kind of go with this as, again, a resource and a tool that if you don't have one of those, that's kind of like standard curriculum for our children's ministry. And so hopefully you'll grab one of those. Again, they're available out in the gallery area on your way out. Now, let me talk about also uh, leading up to Christmas, Christmas weekend. We're going to have normal Sunday gathering times where we'll also have on the Christmas weekend, uh, Christmas Eve, because Monday will be Christmas Eve, and we'll have two gatherings then. So back-to-back days, back-to-back worship times, all centered around Christmas, one leading into the next. So Sundays will lead and build into Monday's worship gathering. So hopefully you'll be a part of Sunday and be a part of Monday in those opportunities. And then also a part of the family worship guide or the Advent uh, Advent guide is um, is a New Year's, uh, if you will, it's kind of the New Year's time where we're going to do an at-home worship time. We won't even meet here on Sunday morning, uh, December the 30th. And it's where we say wherever you are, if you're in a park, if you're on vacation, if you're with family away, or if you're a family at home, or, or, or you want to get, gather together as a communitas group, there's a worship guide that will lead you into the new year and into a New Year's uh, message theme that we're going to be having that I will save more on that for later. All of this is very intentional, though, because at Grace Point, we exist for three reasons. And when you look at two of those reasons, we're doing two of those right now, today, with your kids in the room. We're doing them throughout this month in the Advent. We're doing them even in the new year where we're wanting to see valuable, transformative community happening with one another's, all right? And one another's happens outside the family, and sometimes it happens inside the family, all right? It really should happen inside the family as well. And so we're wanting to do that inside those community and that, that, that connection there. But also we're activating and arming our members for ministry and mission. All right. Ministry happens inside the four walls. Missions happens outside the four walls. And so we're, we're wanting to equip and arm you so that you'll be able to better be disciple makers of the next generation and of your spouse or of family members that maybe don't have a vibrant walk with God. So that's where we're going in the month ahead. So hopefully you'll be a part of that in every sense of the word and uh, move your family uh, forward in that. So uh, as we go today, let's, uh, let's open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. So I know today with kids in the room, there's going to be a few more wiggles and giggles, and I'm okay with that. Okay, so I want to encourage the kids to help mom and dad listen, okay, because they sometimes go to sleep or they sometimes wander off in their minds. So help mom and dad listen and take good notes for them. Because any of the stuff that we talk about today, you can pop quiz them on the car way home today. All right? You can ask them anything that you want to ask them about the message, and they're going to be perfect. Uh, uh, they're going to have all the answers and have it all figured out for you, okay? And uh, so in that, we're going to be talking about quality and quantity 
love. What does that look like, feel like, smell like, taste like whenever we think about this? And the reason I come to that is because in 1 John uh, chapter 2, or excuse me, chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. See what kind of love. He is speaking of a quality of love. There's not every love measures up and holds up to the standard of God's kind of love. So let's just, let's just break that down today. Let's look at and let's examine what is the kind of love that the Father has given to us. Because if we understand His quality of love, and we let that become our bar, our standard for quality love in our marriages, with our children, with our, with our friends and our associates, even with our enemies. What if we had that standard of love? And so I want us to talk about quality love today and let's break it down. Now, again, I want to point to the kids in your notes. There are measures of what quality loves look like in the bottom left-hand corner. And I'm going to mention four of them here in just a moment, okay? So we're going to get into that. But let's first of all just talk about quality of love for a moment. Because this word quality of love or this word the kind of love, what kind of love that God has given to us is actually a unique phrase in the Bible. And other times it refers to what planet... What earth did this love come from? Or what earth or what kind or what manner or what, what, what was the origin of this? So it's, it actually is speaking of a, a love that maybe doesn't originate on this planet. It, it doesn't originate on this earth. It doesn't originate in this universe. And so when we come to this Christmas season and we come to this Advent season, we're coming to celebrate a love that was demonstrated to us. And where in the world did this kind of love come from? So just think about it like that. And I want to say that the kind of love that God offers to us is an out-of-this-world kind of love. And the kind of love that he demonstrates to us is the out-of-this-world kind of love. It gives us a quality of love, a depth of love, okay, if you will. There's a depth in this love that we can't get away from it. And in this depth, it asks, it, it, it asks us, it forces us to ask the question, how does God's love impact me? All right? Deep down in my life, how does his love impact me? But then there's the quantity of love, and that's the breadth of love. And how far does this love reach? And how far does this love go? And how does God's love impact others through me? So it's not just how does God's love impact me deeply, but how does God's love impact me broadly and how I impact and live in relationship with others. So think about it as it is a deep kind of love and a wide kind of love, a love that is incredibly beyond this world, the model of love that we're going to look at today. Again, what kind of love the Father has given to us. So I want to mention, again, there's four I guess, quality factors, if you will, that make up the kind of love that God has for you and for me. And one, it's a shameless love. It's a shameless love. And you you go to this passage that we were just at, and we finished up last week in talking about a lie. Remember, we were talking about fake lies or fake truths. 
Fake truth is what we talked about when we talk about the, 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 the things that are out there. What, what Satan tells us is that you're a loser. And he brings up and he throws under our face all the times that we did something wrong. All the times we lied, all the times we lost our temper, all the times that we cheated, all the times he makes us feel beaten down and worthless. That's what Satan wants to do to us. In fact, that's what his job is, so to speak. When you look at the devil, and it says in the book of Revelation, again, John the Apostle's writing this, John 12, verse 10 says, For the accuser of brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. So where is Satan, what is he trying to do right now? He is standing before, he is in the presence of God. He is accusing, hurling insults about what Mike McDaniel has done in his past. And you know what Satan does in my head, in my heart? is he wants to accuse me of every time I did something wrong. It might have happened five years ago or 15 years ago or 25 years ago. But he wants to bring it up and he wants to show it in my face again and again and again. And this fake truth is shame and regret and fear and anxiety and doubt and inferiority. And it leads to all these emotions of discouragement that beat us down and make us feel like a sock of wasted human flesh. How do we get past that? You experience quality love. Love that's out of this world. Love that's beyond the universe in which we exist. And when you experience that kind of love, you experience the love of Christ. In verse 28, it says this of chapter 2. Now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence Now, everything I just said before, shame, regret, anxiety, fear, flies in the face and is contrary to confidence. But he's telling us here we can have confidence. And not to shirk from him in shame at his coming. So the love of God is absolutely the shameless kind of love. It erases the guilt It forgives us, it cleanses us, it makes us whole. Let me take you back to 1 John chapter 1. We're in 1 John chapter 2 now. We're in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. You don't want to miss this. For if we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us, first thing He does, of our sins and to cleanse us of our sins. Now Satan doesn't want you to know that. Satan doesn't want you to know that if I get on the same page with God about my wrong and I call it what he calls it and I get rid of it like he wants me to get rid of it and I want it out of my life because he wants it out of my life and if I do that and he will forgive me and he will cleanse me. And there's not another person, there's not another God, there's not another deity, there's not another demigod out there that can offer you that kind of shameless love. It's a love that we have that's out of this world. Shameless love. But it also is a love that is an accepting love. Because it's shameless, because he cleanses us, because he forgives us, we now have an accepting kind of love, okay? Where he accepts us. He doesn't shame us. He doesn't throw it back in our face as we confess and repent and get it out of our lives. He actually forgives us and cleanses us and he accepts us. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been, since I was a child, 
the kid who hated being the new kid in school. Now, the good thing is, is I, most of my years, I grew up one continuous grade in the same school growing up all the way through. I grew up in the Rogers School System, and I graduated from the Rogers School System. So that's kind of how I progressed. But every year, I would knew I would have new teachers. I would have new people in my classes, and, and I didn't like it, and I didn't want to be there. And I remember going in, and who am I going to sit the lunch table with, and how, how hard it is to go in, and where I'm going to sit down, and who am I going to be accepted if I sit down there? Will they want me to sit down there? Will they stop talking because they were actually talking about me? And these are the things that are going on in my head. To even as an adult, I still grow up into this kind of little bit of fear of anxiety. I can remember when starting Grace Point Church, I was in my mid-30s. And there would be a gathering. I remember one gathering in particular where we got together and I was supposed to cast vision. And I literally froze in my steps. And I muttered something stupid out. I shouldn't have said that in this room today. <laughs> Not so intelligent. And I can remember... Somebody saying afterwards, Mike, you weren't on your game tonight, and you need to get on your game. And what it was is I was anxious about talking, about sharing, because I wanted to be accepted. It's something that we all strive to be accepted. Well, there's the beauty of our relationship with Jesus and his love is an accepting kind of love is because he pursues us to sit at the lunch table with us. And if you don't believe me, jot down Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 when it says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. Jesus will invite, him, invite you to the lunch table and they with me. He is an accepting and embracing God. And his love accepts us. Now, no matter our imperfections, in fact, I'll say this. And this is a life principle for you. Jesus accepts us as we are. But the good thing is he doesn't leave us there. If you look in in chapter 3 and go down to verse 2, Verse 2 says, beloved, again, that's the famous words, the ongoing word that that John continues to address his people as, beloved or children or my beloved. He said, we are children, we are God's children now. (laughs) We're God's children now. And what we have not, uh, and and we will be as uh, not yet appeared, And we will know that when he appears, that we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We become like our father. He accepts us however broken that we are. But from that, he begins to change us and morph us and purify us. And we aren't where we're going to be, but we're going to continue to become until the day of Christ Jesus, as Paul said in Philippians, until the very end, he's going to continue his good work in us. He's going to continue his perfecting work, as he told the church at Ephesus, that he's going to continue his artistry work in us until we become like him. Isn't that a beautiful thing, how God accepts us as we are, but he doesn't let us stay there. He makes us like him. 
We're going to do something here in a few moments, kids, and so pay attention. And moms and dads, pay attention to what I'm about to say. We're going to pass around a cup. We're going to pass around a tray of cups, and we're going to pass around a tray of little bread, little unleavened bread wafers. And those of you who are children of God, those of you who have given yourself to following Jesus, I invite you to take one of each. And I want you to think about it as you're going to have some time of reflection in yourself. And I want you to hold those two in your hand, and we're going to all observe them together. We're going to take those elements in together. But I want you in that moment of silence and space in your own heart, I want you to be thinking about, God, your love is so out of this world that it's shameless. You give me confidence to live and you don't shame me in my living. You accept me as I am, but you will not let me stay there. You are working on me. And I just want you to reflect on that, but I also want you to see that his love is freeing. It's a freeing love. All right? Now, don't, don't get this confused with free love, Okay? The free love movement of the 1960s is bled over into our day where it's a love without rules. It's a love that we love according to our affections, our attractions. We don't steer our love, our love steers us. It's a distorted kind of love. We make love about rainbows. Rainbows not truth and light. Rainbows cause are caused by reflections, retractions, uh, um, and uh, refractions, and uh, dispersions of light. It's not the real light. It's a mirage. Have you ever got to the end of the rainbow? Have you ever seen a boat or on the water or a house at the end of the rainbow, only knowing that the, there's not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? It's a mirage. Yet some people have made love to be a rainbow. Love is light. Love is truth. Love confronts, love comforts. When I talk about love, I'm talking about a freeing love, not a free love. When he talks about love here, he is talking about a love that is beautiful in that it frees us from our brokenness. And sometimes it comforts us and sometimes it confronts us. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12, it says, The Lord disciplines those he loves. To think that love doesn't hurt at times is wrong. Is to, again, to have a mis and distorted view of love. But if you look at chapter 3, and uh, in fact, you can read the book of 1 John and get an entire doctrine on what it, what sin is in the scriptures. Okay, an entire doctrine. Let me just read a few verses for you just to kind of back it up because we don't want to talk about sin, but that's the brokenness of us that God is accepting us in but rescuing us from at the same time. In verse 4, it says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Now, there's several key things here I want you to zero in on. Because over the course of 1 John, 13 different times, John is going to use the word practice. Six times in the passage that we're looking at today, he's going to use the word practice. Every time it's in the present active participle. It's an ongoing habitual activity that's going on here. So as I practice sinning, as I practice lawlessness, sin is lawlessness. We need to understand and see that. Now, let's keep reading in verse 8 and 9. 
It says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Now, that's pretty bold, right? For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And for this reason, the Son of God appeared was uh, 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 the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So again, this is going to entire doctrine on sin is covered right here in this passage. In fact, you can go back to John, First John chapter one verse eight when he'll talk about how we even deceive ourselves to say that I don't have a problem with sin. You read it for yourself, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. You read it for yourself, 1 John chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 10. And you'll find how we lie to ourselves when we say we haven't sinned. So again, this is an entire breakdown. So let me just give some statements. You can jot them down if you have space in your notes. What is What sin is, is just defined for us here. You ever have a problem understanding what sin is? Okay, here it is. Sin is lawlessness. It tells us that in verse 4. If I live contrary to the supreme meta-narrative of God, the supreme law of God, then I'm acting in sin. What, does, what, what, what sin does, it deceives us in verse 7. It makes mirages of love being rainbows instead of love being light and truth. Where sin comes from, it says in verse 8, it comes from the devil. Who defeated sin? It says in verse 8, Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Here's what we made love. Love being all tolerance, all acceptance, no matter what. I love that. That's what this culture has made it. And what we've done is we extracted truth from it. And when we extract truth from Love, we make it sentimentality. This is what Tim Keller said. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but it keeps us in denial about our flaws. We need to understand our own brokenness and understand that God does accept us there, but he does it to set us free free from our brokenness, from our chains, from our alibis, our excuses, our political correctness. We are not victims of, we are victim to sin. I loved it last week and this was something that uh, the, the team got together and said, hey, we wanted you all to, to give us your thankfulness cards and on your communication cards. I don't know, we got a stack probably that thick on communication cards of things that we're thankful for. And two of them that came back, one of them I talked to again this morning was a mother who had been estranged from her children for her three children. But in the past year, she's found this church. She's found a renewed relationship with Jesus. And she's also found her children again. And her children have found her again. And they spent Thanksgiving together this year. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Give the Lord a hand. Another one wrote on the card, God has rescued me from the same sex attractions that I've been struggling with. I'm telling you, the love of God is a freeing 
kind of love. It's number four, a righteous love. It not only shows us what's wrong, but it also points us to what is right. And that is the beauty and the power of his love. I love what it says in Proverbs chapter four, verse 18. It says the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Now, the word righteous is not exactly a word that we commonly use. It's not a part of our everyday vocabulary or we feel self-righteous if we do use it or something like that. But really, what it means is it's right living, it's right practicing, it's right behaving, it's right doing, it's right living according to, again, the standards of a God who loved us. And when I do that, my path becomes brighter and brighter. I don't get as confused because I'm walking the right path that God has called me on. Now, I mentioned four different times, and we read them four different times. He talks about practicing sin. Well, almost one-to-one, three different times, he talks about practicing righteousness. One pastor even titled this message whenever he preached through it. He said, it's not behaving, it's not believing the gospel, it's the behaving of the gospel. And it's not just believing the gospel. It is how we behave because the gospel has impacted us. Verse 29, if you know the righteous, you, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. There's a litmus test here, a birthmark, if you will, on everyone who is a child of God that they do and they live according to a righteous standard. Verse 7 of chapter 3, it says, Little children, again referring to the faith connection, let, us, let, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness, present active participle again, ongoing lifestyle practices righteousness, is righteous as he is righteous. Verse 10, by this it is evident who are the children of God. You want to know who the children of God are? Here, here it is. Who are the children of the devil? You want to know that? Here, here, here it is. Who does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. There is a right behavior that comes out of a right relationship with a right God. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to think deeply. What is your next right move? You, you probably know it right now. You know what that next right move is for you. What is it? And what are you going to do? Because as a child of God, we will practice, we will do what is right. Because we've been loved in a right kind of way. We've been loved rightly. We've been loved. We've been, we've, we've been impacted at, at, a, at a deep level. We've been set free. We've been accepted. We've been made right. We've been made loved shamelessly. God has loved us that way. That's the quality impact on us. But now let's talk about the quantity love. Real quickly as I close, because next week's message literally feeds into this. And so this is just a teaser. We're going to talk about the quantity love next week. How does that love impact others? Because I am loved by God, how does it impact those around me? 
How far does it go? How far does it reach? Because let me tell you this, loving the lovable, anybody can do. Loving the family you just spent time with, that's really easy to do. Because they're family, right? Well, sometimes that's hard. But by and large, you love them. All right? You, you, if, you did a, if you did a Friendsgiving, you love those friends because you chose those friends, right? You love them. But what about loving a stranger? What about loving an enemy? What about loving somebody who doesn't give you love back? Jonathan Sachs, who's a former chief rabbi of the Great Britain, basically studies just the Hebrew Bible, just the Old Testament. He said this. He said, there's only one verse in the Old Testament that says you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. But there are 36 places that it commands us to love strangers. That's a quantity of love. I can love this far, but can I love this far? In Leviticus chapter 19, one of those times that it is mentioned, it says, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you. And you shall love him as you, as you, as you, as you shall love him as you love yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Remember the day that you were a refugee? Remember back when Joseph was the prince? And you remember back whenever whenever uh, you were starving and there was a famine in the land and all of Israel went down to Egypt and stood at their doorsteps because they couldn't provide for their own and they begged Egypt to take care of them and they took them in. You remember the day that you were a refugee? He says, you need to love like you were loved. And he said that those who don't love their brothers in verse 10 are those who are not marked by the love of God. Verse 11 says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. It's not something new. That we should love one another. I could take you today to Muslim-born believers. I could get you on a plane and take you to, to, to the city of Athens and I could take you to a guy named Chris, a guy named John. I could take you to a, a guy named Dan. I could take you to, to women and I could take you to men who were Muslim-born believers who because of the Syrian crisis and war, I know it's horrible and I want it to end as soon as possible. It's taking life needlessly. But here's what God has done is He has sent believers over like us who have sent resources over like us to love on people. And I could take you and show you face-to-face relationships with people who have become followers of Jesus, born Muslims, followers of Jesus today because they were loved Not because they were debated between Islam and and Christianity. Because they were loved. Because they were embraced. Because they were accepted. And I I want to show you the photo of one today that I want you to pray for. You can only see the back of her head. Because the person in front of Lauren Bedeen is... Is, uh, is still a practicing Muslim, but I just want you to take the back of her head and let that be branded because this is a person who was once a sympathizer with ISIS and is now standing in a Bible study in a church in Athens. And our teenage college student, Lauren Bedeen, is there. She's not probably not a teenager anymore, so call me out on that. But 
but is loving on her and embracing her, was invited into her life and spent time with her. Now, she's still not a believer, but she's encountering love face to face. And when we give love away, when we give the shameless, when we give the accepting, when we give the forgiving, and when we give the freeing, when we give the the unconditional, when we give a righteous kind of love away, it is irreplaceable. I want us to consider the quality of our love today. Would you just bow your heads with me? As we go into a time, a space, for you to think deeply about your own soul and your own relationship with the Lord. Would you consider this question first? Have I experienced the qualitative love of God that sets me free from shame, that sets me free to live, Have I experienced the freeing kind of love that sets me free to do what's right? If you don't know the love of God like that, then I would pray today before we move any further into this service, you would just say to Jesus where you are, Jesus, I want that love. I want to experience that love. I want to give that love to strangers, to to people far from me, to people who have offended me. I want to love them the way you love them. Just tell him in your words, I want to become a follower of Jesus and give myself to you, Jesus, right here and now. I want to follow the working of your love in me. And I want you to answer that question, what's the next right move that you need to make in your life? Maybe it's to go tell a pastor Somebody wearing a name tag. Hey, I don't know who you are, but I just want to tell you I give my life to Jesus today. Maybe today it's taking this communion for the first time. This Lord's Supper, and it didn't have power to make you a follower of Christ. It is a statement that I am a follower of Christ. We're just going to give you some space. I'm going to pray. We're going to give you some space. And then we'll distribute the elements. And I just ask that you would just hold those elements in your hand and take some time to reflect and we will take them all together. Father God, you know our hearts. We can't hide. We can't run. You, God, are an amazing God who loves us out of this world with a love that is out of this world, that is not found in this world. Thank you, God, for the quality of love that you love us with. May we rest in that, live in that, share in that, give that kind of love away. In these moments, speak to us. In this space, speak to us that we create space for you to speak and to move and show us what's the next right move that we're to make. In Jesus' name.